Hello, hello. Welcome back to Big Fat Five, a podcast financially supported by Big Fat Snare Drum. My name is Ben Hilsinger, and this week's guest is Adam Willard. Adam, spelled A-T-O-M, has played with some of my favorite bands growing up, such as Rocket from the Crypt, The Offspring, Social Distortion, Angels and Airwaves, and is the current drummer for Against Me and Laura Jane Grace and the Devouring Mothers. As I always do in the days leading up to these chats, I went down somewhat of a rabbit hole of Adam's drumming, and I was blown away by how much of my own playing can be attributed to Adam. Like, it's actually pretty embarrassing. So this one meant a lot to me, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Adam Willard as he dissects the biggest influences that made him into the heavyweight drummer he is today. Cheers, y'all. first time that I actually have one of my Big Fat Five. So when we started it, me and Chris, the owner and founder of Big Fat Snare Drum, did our own kind of Big Fat Fives. And you came up as number, well, it doesn't matter. I'll, what? <laughs> I'll, I'll say number one. No, it, was, uh, I, it wasn't in no particular order, but you, um, it's something that I, I, I overuse so much. And it's in the song Start the Machine by Angels and Airwaves. And it's that bass drum with the hi-hat right before the backbeat. The da-da-tsuka. Oh. I can't play a beat without doing that right off the bat. So kind of fuck you, but also thank you. Um, it's just, it's second nature now. And I have to, I have to tell myself to just do the eighth note. I mean, you're welcome. I don't know. <laughs> sure. No All right. So before we go into your Big Fat Five, uh, I wanted to play a few songs that you've recorded from your career and maybe just do a little backstory what that what this song brings back. The world is your oyster, but I'm just going to play the first song right now. So that is Born in 69 from uh, Rocket from the Crypt, from the album Scream, Dracula, Scream. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I was telling you, just so you know. I was there. <laughs> yes. Uh, that, was a, that was a really special time for the band. You know, we, we were on Interscope and they were just, they would just, it seemed like they would just pull up a money truck and just dump it off and like, at the studio and like, yeah, just keep going, just do whatever you want. Like, and we were at the nicest studio for so long. We were there for so long. I mean, it, at the time it seemed like forever. I, I honestly think it was maybe five weeks, which okay. now I've spent, you know, two years making a record. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's, but at the time to have like five weeks at this studio and where we were just, in it you know like completely in it and trying different things and it was really a, a, a i hate to say magical time but it kind of was you know what i mean and then for it to come out the way that it did and, and to be received the way it did we were so i mean i don't think any of us really understood that people were still going to be talking about it you know like what's it been 200 years Two, 250 250 okay yeah. Yeah, yeah i lose count because i get the century yeah, yeah i get it it's yeah it's switching around yeah <clears throat> But yeah, uh, it's been a long time, and so it's it's kind of neat that people talk about that stuff. Well, did I hear correctly that that wasn't recorded to a click? That was all just you oh, doing yeah. your thing. Yeah. What do you mean? Wasn't it, <laughs> dude? It's terrible. The is all I, over the place. I was, that well, that like that little uh, uh, single stroke roll with with the guitar doing the up and down strokes. I mean, that's as clean as you can get. So I don't know. <laughs> oh, play, listen, the way we wrote that record and all the records was we would play together six or seven hours a day mm -hmm. for like five days a week. Like that's how we practiced. That's just what we did. And it was, I mean, we, we were pretty tight, you know, like, and, and I mean, it was, that was the goal. We wanted to be super tight and super, you know, aggressive about it, but also technical. Mm -hmm. I don't think we had ever put it into those terms or thought about it. 
but now I'm like, yeah, that's what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that part, uh, especially after the roll, I think it would be maybe the pre-chorus, but you're doing like the open hi-hat to the to the snare hits. And then as that part gradually goes into the next part, you're you're slowly adding in more snare hits. It's it's a big part of your playing in my head is those little things that just keep pushing the song together. They're still it's a it's a part, it's a solidified part, but you still kind of change it and and build momentum. So that's why I played that part specifically. Dude, that means so much. Thank you so much. That means so much to me that you recognize that and that that's something that is uh, that translates because that's like that's all I ever want to do. <laughs> that's all I want to do is like have a part, establish it, and then build on it, but never lose touch with what it originally kind of started as. You know what I mean? So that's man, thank you. That's well, awesome. I mean it with everything. So um, <laughs> number two, I will. Uh... It's been fun, man. Thank you. <laughs> Good night. I haven't heard that in so long. I got goosebumps. It was so good. Actually, I haven't listened to that in so long. That's my wife's like favorite song on that record. It's a good one, dude. And it's funny, uh, later on for your Big Fat Five, you talk about how one of these songs isn't really um, your your style, but I think one of your Big Fat Five kind of comes out in this song. But um, yeah, so that, that, that's Pay No Mind by The uh, the Special Goodness, and that's, that's Pat Wilson's... Um, He's from Weezer, the drummer from Weezer. It's kind of his side project. He's playing guitar, singing, um, and that's you on drums. Yes. These are all true facts. <laughs> so you, after Rocket, you you did some drum teching with him, and that's kind of how you met Pat, or did you meet him pr- prior to that? No, like I was, I was like, I was in this weird situation where I was like being paid to rehearse with this band in L.A. right after I left Rocket. And then at that same rehearsal space, Weezer had a spot. And so Pat and I were out in the parking lot looking at each other's cars, like, oh, that's cool, and like, oh, that's cool. And we just totally hit it off. And so we started talking, and he's like, oh, you know, and he knew me from from before, and I was obviously a Weezer fan. And uh, so we started talking, and he's like, oh, I, I've got this thing, and I, I want to make a record. Would you be into playing on it? I'm like, yeah. And so we started jamming together and playing and like writing. And then it was like, oh, well, Weezer's going to go on tour. I was like, well, dude, you should take me on tour as your drum tech. And then we'll like practice every day and write this record and come home and record it. And it'll be awesome. And he's like, yeah, that's a great idea. So we did. But then there's like a job in there that you have to do. You have to like set up the drums and like do all that stuff. I was like, oh, shit. He's just yelling at you the whole time. God, no. He was like... I mean, he, he was so easy, except for the fact that he's, Pat is so accomplished on the instrument and so good and so fluent. And so it's just come so easy to him. He's bored. And so he's always like, Hey, let's put another floor tom up. I'm like, no, Hey, let's put the hi-hat over here. I'm like, no, dude. He's like, no, but what if we had like a crasher? I'm like, what are you doing? Stop it. He's like, well, that'll be fun. Like we'll put, I'm like, nah. And he was always trying to like get remote hats put up and this, that, and just to like make it more ergonomic or something. And I'm like, dude, you, you need it to be a little bit hard because you're already doing too much stuff. Like he's like, I know, I know. Okay. He's just the mellowest, nicest, sweetest man. Yeah. It's weird to say this, but he's almost kind of like a sleeper hit of a drummer. Like everyone loves his, his drum parts so many people know intros and stuff from his songs, but I don't think he's in the Rolodex of people that like you list your top five drummers. I'm sure he's subconsciously in way more people's top five than they actually realize. I think you're right. I think that that his influence is more of a subconscious thing. And I, I mean, I would hope that people would, would have that as an influence because his feel is it's so unique and it's so special to that band. It's really like the the benchmark for why all those those songs feel and move the way they do is because pat is so far back there mm-hmm. he's just like way back you know and it's like and he's just really comfortable doing it. he's got incredible meter like you can ask him to put it up too and he doesn't even have a click and he just 
takes it up and it stays. It's insane. I'm like, who are you? Yeah. He's like, I hate the drums. I'm like, oh my God. So, I mean, yeah. So we, you know, we were doing that and then it ended up being that I like um, started being around them more and like playing percussion on stuff and like did little stuff on records. And, you know, it's like, it was a, it was a cool thing while it lasted, but it's very hard to be a drum tech when you want to be drumming, you know, it's a really difficult thing. And I just, you know, I don't even know how old I was. It was probably 80, 81 at that point. Um, But, you know, I was still young enough that I was like, I need, I want to, I want to go find my thing, you know? And so, and the offspring thing came up shortly after that. And that was, that was that. Um, The first time I realized that Pat was more than just a drummer and I'm, I could explain that better, but I'm just going to leave that there is when I saw them play and it was, it was the tour that Josh Freese was playing and Pat was like playing guitar the whole time just because he's like, I just want to, I mean, I guess it goes off with, with what you were saying. He's bored. He's like, I've played these songs a million times. I want to play guitar in this tour. He is the most insane guitar player. He's incredible. Oh my God. So you just be like, Hey, um, play this solo from that classic rock song. And he'll be like, you hand him a guitar and he goes, and he just plays it note for note and you're like oh my god where is all that he's like i don't know it's in there somewhere um all right so this one is actually uh similar to start the machine actually you do something similar with that that open hi-hat into the backbeat but uh it's it's the intro main riff that i want to talk about kind of dissect your your brain a little bit this is really fun I also associate those quick flams with uh, your your plane as well. Yes, I'll take it. But uh, that song specifically for me was the first time that in my tiny little brain, I was like, oh, when the guitarist goes to a crazy riff, I don't have to go to like this, you know, crash cymbal and just what you, <laughs> what I would do. You can just go this open hi-hat dance halftime feel. Um <laughs> Well, not was, always, but well, I mean, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Sometimes it works. <laughs> Every single time, steal off that beat. Um, no, but I, I guess I've wanted to ask this for a long time. When, when you heard that riff, was that the first instinct you did, or was that kind of one of many options, and you guys went that way? Or I'm trying to remember. It's been a minute. Um, <laughs> you were 70 then, so yeah, I was in my 70s. I think once we decided that we wanted it to be in that halftime kind of point, it just, I don't, that's just happened. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like that was just sort of what, what it was. Uh, I don't remember hunting around a lot for that, you know, like it was just, it, it came really pretty quickly and pretty easily. The way that we did all the angels records is little riff like, okay, so I'd program a very simple beat, like bare bones, just, just above a click track. Okay. And then Tom would add more stuff. And then I would like, okay, I'm going to change the feel of the beat a little bit with the help of Critter, who was the most incredible yes. engineer person yeah. ever. Um, and so then it would, and then it would kind of stay there for a long time. Sometimes that's it. It would just be those two little things. And then Tom would sing the whole thing. Like all the vocals done, finished takes. And so then I could go back and go, oh, look at all this room for activities. Like yeah. I knew exactly where all the stuff was and I could fit in here and scoot out there. And it, it was really a luxury to, to have the stuff so far developed um, and to be able to record like that. So I don't remember exactly when but I had like so long to think about what I wanted to do mm-hmm. before I actually went to play it, you know, and then it was just like, you play it and everybody's like, that's cool. And you're like, great. <laughs> well, I actually like that answer better. I am going to play one more song from that band. And this, this beat, I think growing up was, uh, again, about the intro? 
Didn't you want to know about the intro to that song? Well, that was we. I'm not going to say no, but I'm saying uh, that was just one of those shink ding um, <laughs> things that I get. But no, please. <laughs> I'm going to be like, why the heck did I say no? Yes, let's talk about the intro of that song. Well, I thought because you said that, so I was really thinking about. I'm like, okay, so what was the deal with those blocks? I was like, oh my god, it was just me being like, I'm going to be Fugazi. Yeah, and just trying to get clicks and that kind of like i was doing the i was doing it on the rim and critters like it's not really translating and i'm like okay um because there wasn't enough differentiation between the rim and the side stick Mm. so we put up a block and it was like it just that was the thing is that okay i'm done (laughs) god that was boring um so no uh, that open hi-hat is that is that a separate take or is it because it sounds so roomy and it just like part of it sounds so tight. The hi-hat sounds so big. Um, or is it just critters just that good? Critters that good. Yeah. Yeah. No, like you can see the, um, cause I, I played two different drum sets on that song. Mm-hmm. So there's the intro and the verses and then there's the, the choruses and, and everything else. But so anytime I'm doing the side stick and the skunk to the side snare, yeah, uh, that was one kit like in a, little closet and like a 22 inch kick drum and then the rest of it was all in the big room with the, the big the big drums okay um and yeah so one more song from from that band uh and th- th- this beat is just so cool and then i have so two more and then we'll get into your your pick sorry if uh <laughs> you have to just sit here and listen to yourself play <laughs> Yeah, that verse to the pre-chorus is, uh, the snare work in that is so fucking cool. Yeah, I don't even have a question. I guess it's just like that just <laughs> has helped me. I'm like, <laughs> I had Kirky B, Kurt Pascara on the show, and it was funny because he's played with Elton John, Mick Jagger, all these guys, and it was just like, I felt like the Chris Farley episode where it's like, hey, remember the time you did that? That was awesome. Okay. And I'm just going to let myself be that for a little bit, so... <laughs> Yeah, dude, that whole thing was just me trying to build tension to get to the point where that chorus was just a complete release, you know, and that's essentially what I'm doing there. Um, And it just, I don't know, it just happened. I mean, it's all all my same shit that I always do, like a little scoop and then a flam and then another flam. And, you know, it's like, I know, I know I've got a thing. I'm like a two trick pony. (laughs) I'd say five trick, but uh, no, it's uh, that one just opened my eyes up. And I know a lot of drummer friends that I know as well, that just to do something on the one, you don't have to just do something on the two or the four, or maybe just like the and of four, you can just start off a beat with, with a snare hit. Um, And so it's, it's, it's great. Last one. And then we can uh, go into your picks. I'll, I'll stop being so selfish. So that was the the title track from Transgender Dysphoria Blues, um, and that that was the first album you're with against me on, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, first first record starts off with you right away. It's the first song. Yeah. What a way to enter. Yeah, it was a, it was cool. I mean, that whole thing came together in such a neat way. Um, them kind of having a, a a drummer emergency, like, hey, we're going to Australia in ten days can you do this? I'm like, I would love to. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of the band. I let's do it. So went out there and playing together. And just after a couple shows, Laura was like, Hey, would you want to be on the record? I'm like, I would love to big fan of the band. Um, so I was like, Hey, I know a great place. 
right down the street from my house. We should go there in LA. So uh, we ended up coming back from Australia, having a couple of days of practice in my shitty little super small tight practice space. <laughs> and then we went over to 606 and we made the record. Yeah, it was awesome. She's such a good songwriter. It's oh, it's insane. There's there's nothing like it. Yeah, it's a force of nature, and it's wild. I mean, her voice is so insane because we were. I mean, we keep a real vigorous schedule, and we'll play five or six nights a week. You know, she's right there, belting it out every night. It's crazy. Hey, y'all, I wanted to, (laughs) I can't say, I wanted to talk to you about a drum I've recently received from Preston at Vessel Drum Co. It's an ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum, and it's incredible. It's got a 1.5 millimeter shell, brass shell, with 10 lugs, chrome over brass, triple flange hoops, a trick uh, three position strainer, 42 strand wires. It's lovely. It's loud. And it cuts and records as beautiful as a piece of butter cake. And, and Preston, actually, this is why it's called the Ocean Patina, is he covers the shell with seaweed and then drops it in the ocean for a certain period of time. And then it patinas with all these crazy cool designs. And if you all remember, Preston was actually one of the first guests on the podcast. When I first started out, I didn't really know what the Big Fat Five format was going to be or if it was going to be even Big Fat Five at all. But I went to his garage, his, his, you know, where he makes all of his drums. It was really cool. He walked me through the episode is essentially from start to finish what happens with a drum. And it was, it was a really fun episode. It's now archived at bigfatsnaredrum.com just because it doesn't fit the format of Big Fat Five. I want you to get back to the show, but go check it out. This drum is beautiful. And he actually let me use it on an Eve 6 tour. And I didn't keep it and i regretted it ever since then just because i was trying to pinch pennies at the time and i just kept thinking about it and so the opportunity to get it again was presented and it is one of my favorite drums so the ocean patinaed 14 by five and a half snare drum check it out reach out to me go to vessel drum co the instagram's just at vessel drum co and check it out it's amazing it's beautiful sounds great bye well, uh, let's just go into your top. We did uh, top five, but you did have three honorable mentions. So I'm just going to say did, that so was I just a, any kind of order. I just yeah, sort yeah. of was. So I don't know if you because you labeled me like number four, whatever it was for your top big fat. Uh, it might go to number three by the end of this conversation. I don't know. I, I'm on the fence. Uh, I have them listed in a certain order, but I'll just, you know, d- disclosure, no one, it's, uh, it's not in order. But let's just go. So Pump It Up by Elvis Costello from the album This Year's Model came out in 1978. I'm saying all this boring stuff, so if people want to find it. It's Peter Thomas on the drums. Peter. Oh, Pete's just holding it down. So good. You know what? I, I think about this stuff and it's like, yes, the drums are rad, but it's it's the whole thing. And yeah. that song is just so it's so good. You know what I mean? Like it just has such a great vibe and such his vocal is just so cool and right there, and it sounds like such a real band, and it's like very just you feel like you're there with them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Is it the drums alone? No. Sure. He's not doing anything that special. But I mean, as a whole, that thing is, it just moves and you just want to like, it just gets your shoulders shaking and your butt moving. That's, that does it for me. How old were you when you uh, found that song? Oh, I don't know. Probably in my 60s. <laughs> <laughs> I will no. say too, and that's, no, no, please go ahead. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm not. I don't remember. But I do know that I was like, I was playing the drums quite a bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. was. I started playing when I was fucking four years old. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. I was forever 
listening to drums. Like I liked in the in the early '80s or whatever it was, like that Howard Jones song. It was like what. Uh, 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 uh. it's like ka, ka, ka. there's actual like it sounded like real drums and amidst all this fake uh synthetic synthesized bullshit synthetic synthesized shit that was going on at the time and like those sound like real drums i was like i like that song mm-hmm. i was eight you know what i mean like whatever it's like oh of course van halen like that kind of anything that had real fucking real sounding drums that were feel like those are the drums i know those sound like mm-hmm. the drums that i have in a way yeah, you know? yeah yeah totally so i mean honestly the elvis costello thing was later you know that was probably mm-hmm. um I, I was already doing rocket you know mm-hmm. just that whole that all that stuff is so there's such a good groove to it and good vibe the whole rhythm section everything and i also noticed that uh in in the airplane song by by Lord Jane Grace, that during during the chorus you kind of do that four on the floor thing, and then you go back to the groove just two and four, and it does that in that song as well, just to kind of make that chorus pop up a little bit. So not that maybe you subconsciously did it, but there's a little bit of a Absolutely. tie-in directly to what you yeah. There you go. See, it got in there. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Honestly, Pete Thomas is a gift to the world of drumming. Like his watching the detectives, like everybody tries to do that song. You know, and I didn't put that as my thing because it's like, I love that, but that's not really indicative of the way that I play. But sure. the sting on that song is so great. And apparently they only did like a couple takes of it and he dropped a stick and they still kept it. It was that good. It's like, and you can't, you can't even hear it. It's insane. So good. Well, speaking of dropping sticks, um, this is a uh, Neil Peart. So this is Rush. Um, and you you said just rush in general, but this this album exit stage left, um, yeah. and then also limelight, which was why didn't they play that at that show? It doesn't make any sense. Well, it's funny too when you said that to me. I did some research. So moving pictures came out a year after this was record that this live album happened, but Tom Sawyer was played. So I was yeah. thinking maybe that maybe they hadn't written that yet, and limelight was like the last song on the record. But That's you're right, ex- exit stage stage left, which was a live recording from 1980 there's no limelight so what the hell rush (laughs) but let's just play a little bit of i just picked the song yyz for a reason but uh, let's just play the first few minutes of that know what the hell they're doing there that's music man canadian music that's how they do it up there wow so here's the thing about rush like he is a parts guy you know Mm -hmm. and i think that that had a lot to do with me always wanting to have parts and and then to do that thing that you so so graciously complimented me on before like building on a part because Mm -hmm. honestly that's what that's what neil does all the time in tom sawyer there's that thing like in the second verse he's just adds one more hit or it's the third verse. i don't know what it is but i know what it's you mean, like yeah. you know what i'm talking about and it's just those little details of adding something each time so it's the same it's the same we have established the groove and, and i'm not pulling you out of that but i'm gonna it's things are advancing and ramping up and all that stuff and that i mean i that really had such a lasting impression on me to as, a, as something that was important you know mm-hmm. yeah he's all about motifs and um yeah it's just you, you can be crazy busy as long as you have some kind of foundation that people are like oh, okay he's still there i get it um and the dad joke that i'll say about rush live is it's funny they're called rush because they always play their songs so much slower live like <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? Especially that song, because I'm assuming that da 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 
seems like it's from the album and then when he comes in it's so much slower yeah. um but uh just you know he sucks whatever <laughs> i'm gonna edit that whole thing out no one no one cares <laughs> um all right so number two uh, sorry, number three. Whoa, I actually almost did edit that out. Is Where Eagles Dare by Iron Maiden from the album Peace of Mind from 1983. And that's Nico McBrain on drums. Yeah. And I'm just going to play the intro. I have such a, a um, nostalgic attachment to that. So my friend in grade school was Scott Russo. Scott went on to become the singer in Unwritten Law. But in fifth grade or fourth grade, uh, he had an older brother who was in high school who found out that I played the drums. And he's like, well, do you want to, what kind of music do you like? I'm like, rock. Um, so he gave me an Iron Maiden tape and he's like, learn this. And dude i went home and i like tried to learn that stuff and it was so i mean i was like what the hell i've been listening to rush which was so you know clean and polished in many ways compared to iron maiden <clears throat> and iron maiden just had this like grittier more visceral thing happening you know it was just way more intense i mean especially with like number of the beast and all that kind of stuff which my mom didn't let us play that at my house but it's a different <laughs> story um that's another podcast. So, so we, you know, that was my first experience playing music with other people. Cause he came over once and, and we jammed and then he came over the next week with like two more dudes. And so it was like a full on band practice. And we were just playing iron main songs in my bedroom, you know, and I'm fifth grade and they're like seniors in high school, <laughs> whatever it was. Were you playing them like pretty much the record or were you doing your own kind of bastard? Like what was the level of skill at that point? Oh, I was definitely note for note. Perfect. I don't fucking know, man. It was like, I probably was a mess, you know, it was probably unintelligible garbage, but it's like, it was enough that they kept, they came back several times. You know what I mean? So it couldn't have been that bad. I can't imagine it was that good, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It was, it was hilarious though. When you think about that, like, I'm just like, eh. yeah, <laughs> little kid. Well, I know that you said in other interviews that like you were kind of uh, against, you know, books and, and, and the more traditional way of teaching. But I mean, if you play that intro, you're doing so many like oh, I'm sure stealth I rudiments. Right. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I didn't have that right. You know, I'm, I was sure I was like, like without that, there's not that little like fluttery thing happening i'm sure i didn't get that but no it's, it's not that i was it's not that i'm against traditional learning or or, or books or schooling or, it's just i it i wasn't interested you know and my parents did try they're like hey you should really like take some lessons i was like sure no don't want to do that you know and i'd go for a little bit and then i'd you know make up reasons not to go because it was just i don't know i just didn't feel I just wasn't into it. Um, I think the longest stretch of lessons I ever had was like six lessons or something from one teacher, you know, learned some reading stuff with that and have carried on to use that, um, my really crappy version of notation in when I have to learn stuff mm -hmm. because you have to like, at some point you just have to chart some stuff out. Yeah. You can't just remember everything. So. Um, I have my style of doing it and I don't know that anybody else could read it or understand it because it's a hot mess, but I do use that. I wish I had, a, I wish I had it better, <laughs> but that's a lot of times it's kick patterns, you know, because when you're, when you're going in to play songs with somebody and or play them live, you know, you need to have that happening to make sure that you're being true to the, to the feel of the song and, and what's, you know, what's there. And that's why. I mean, that's another tangent as well, but that's why I'm so, I'm so, uh, I believe so strongly in playing to a click with stuff because there's a tempo that people have fallen in love with the song at, 
And if you go too far above or below that tempo, it's kind of like, well, what song is this? This isn't the song that I scream to in my car. This isn't the song that, you know, gets me excited about this or whatever. You know, it's like it turns into something different. I'm sure you've seen drummers do that where they play, they'll play stuff. And it's like, hey, that's your 10 BPM up. Like that's lost the thing. It's gone. It's something else. now. It's not bad. It's just not that thing. And all these people that paid to get in here wanted to see that thing. Mm -hmm. Which is why Neil Peart is not a good drummer. Is that that's what you're trying to say? <laughs> no, I get it. No, no, I get it. That's uh, that'll be the and that'll be the Don't title of the episode. On me. You're the one that was like, oh, <laughs> I, it's so I, get cool. <laughs> I get to edit this. Okay. Um, all right. So number number four is uh, Wiggly World by Devo from the album Duty Now yes. for the Future. And it's the, uh, the the late great Alan Myers on drums. I mean, yeah, he establishes that, and he's just like, "This is fucking here, groove to it." And what is what's cool later in the song is he takes it to double time, or full time, and maintains that that same kind of. It's so fucking cool. Just because I I have a feeling if the listeners will be mad if you say that, and I don't play later in the song. So let me just play <laughs> later in the song before we go to another spot. totally it's just this cool thing and it seems to it's really simple but honestly that's i mean i want to i want to be that that person too you know that's like hey that's so simple like i could have done that it's like yeah but you did it mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like he's the one that did it he's the one that came up with that and, and phrased it that way and like has that unique sense of where to place the things and it's just really so much great stuff to be learned from those those early Devo records. Those first three are just fantastic. Yeah, and I, I'm a broken record on this on this uh, podcast, so sorry guys. But um, yeah, the older I get, it's it's not about chops. It's never honestly, it's never really been about chops. I mean, I've never been a Weckle Caluda obsessy, but it's all about choices to me. Case in point with Secret Crowds. I mean, the bass drum pattern in that with the hi hat is, I mean, it's not an easy beat to do, but the concept of you just doing the upbeat hi hats. I would have never thought of that. And that's why I love that part so much. It's so distant from what my instincts would be. I mean, now that they're part of my instincts as well, because I've digested them a lot, but um, I agree respect. with you. Hey, those are mine. <laughs> that's awesome. Thank you. Edit that yeah, out. Okay. So. And for me, it's a lot of times just how I'm going to set up the next thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, this is important what I'm doing, but really I've, I've got the long view. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm interested in where, where this is going to end up and what this leads into and, and that thing, you know? So that's oftentimes the chorus is what dictates what I'm going to play in other places. All right. So the next one is, is I believe your number one, which is uh, Brendan Canty and he is the drummer <laughs> for Fugazi. And is I'm just going to play. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. So you just said basically anything from Repeater, the album Repeater. But I'm gonna play uh, Greed, which is the intro is just so much going on. It's really cool. when a band writes in the same room together and that song's so obvious that that was them as a unit 
Um, yes. Brendan and, and Fugazi in general have, you know, shaped so many of my choices as we, as we were saying, um, just, he's not, he maybe won't be the most technically proficient drummer, but his, the way he approaches parts and the way that he, um, didn't always follow the rules with stuff, you know, and he is like very, um, he's very much on his own thing without somehow being in the way. It doesn't make sense. Like, I know, like, I know that's, what you mean. that's super weird and kind of wrong, but it really works, <laughs> you know? And there's that kind of stuff. I, honestly, it was, it came along at a time when he was like just technical enough and just like, uh, guttural soul enough for me to it was like all the things when i needed them you know right when they were happening and and when when that record came out and i i got to see them in concert right around then um it was just like okay like this is really a direction i want to go in and you know you're sort of establishing your your sound at that age you know you're younger and <clears throat> trying to figure out what you're doing and you're like you know i like i had a china symbol on my kit two years ago you know, it's like that's you start to realize like okay yeah i'm not doing that that's not what i'm after um but you go through those those phases of trying to figure out what you want to do and what you want to be like i mean it wasn't like it is now where you can see thousands of drummers on the internet and, and be like oh i really like this and i like this it's like no you just saw what you saw on tv and who you saw live and so it was a lot of local drummers for me in san diego who were all great, but, and then the stuff that, you know, you'd hear on record, but until you saw it, it was like, it made a lot more sense in person. Speaking of influences on like aesthetics, I guess, in a way, and like seeing people, I can't picture Brendan's kit right now. Um, but your, your, your hi-hat is very high up and like your symbols are a little higher aesthetically. What was a big influence on your playing? You know, I don't know because I do, I get a lot of compliments on the way my drum sets look like, Hey, your kit always looks super cool. And it's like, wow, thanks. I take a lot of pride in that. Like I really, I won't just get any finish or, and I, you know, I like to set stuff up in a way that is, it, it, it's inviting to me when I look at it, it's like, I want to play that, you know, and there's certain drum kits that you look at and you're like, I don't want to go there. I mean, I will, if I have to, but it's like, what's happening. You know, It's just like stuff is awkward. It's like, it's like different cars. They'll all probably get you to the same store, but some just look really good doing it. Um, and I, you know, as far as the hi-hat being up there, man, I was doing that early rocket days, like as high as I could get it because I was running into myself. Like that's yeah. all that that was. It's like, I'm, I've got too much traffic. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's not, I'm not a technique guy. So it was like, my left hand is hitting my right hand. I need to get it out of the way. I still want to pick this thing. <laughs> Me no so, like you know that, I mean? yeah. <laughs> yeah. So playing in that small room with the Rocket guys, and they're all playing through half stacks and a huge SVT cabinet, and it's like, well, I'm the only one without any electricity, and I'm just beating the shit out of everything. And it's like I just needed more space. And that is just that's where I got comfortable. And it's so hard. Like I try to put it down. Like I, I'll spend time in practice and I'll like lower it down and be like, okay, play for 20 minutes, just like this. And you know, it's like, okay, cool. And then as soon as I start getting like a little bit of volume or like some heavier stuff going, I'm like, ah, back up. <laughs> and honestly, I, I mean, it's not until the last, you know, decade or something that I've played 16th on the half. Like it's always shorter than eight notes. Like just like ah, but you know yeah. I have found there is there is cause for it, and you you know there's room for that. You should do that yeah. every once in a while. You should have that skill. Um, well, speaking of going the opposite direction of you doing more sixteenth notes, uh, this next one is "Good Morning Captain" by Slint on the album Spiderland, and that's uh, Britt Walford. Oh yes.
that before you sent me this i i'd never heard of slint and i'm i'm really looking forward to going down that that little oh rabbit hole. my god i am so jealous of you that you get to hear it for the first <laughs> time right now god damn it that record really is like a standout thing in their career like i don't they to me no, nothing else that they did is anywhere near as incredible as that record and that record top to bottom is just i mean it's so moody and dark and and you know it doesn't rage at all it's there are parts that get kind of loud but it's still really slow and there's no tempo it's just a meter mess but it's beautiful it's so incredibly dynamic and and the way that he approaches like the even the hi-hat scoops and that little thing that we heard it's like that's the most like drummer sent probably song on the record. That's like, that's the, the climax of it. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's so engaging and compelling. Like I, I've always, I mean, just hearing it again, I haven't heard it in forever. And I was like, yeah, fuck, I still love that. It just gets me so excited. Well, tonally too. Uh, I mean, that bass drum's wide open. His snare is wide open. Um, yes there's space in the music for it it makes sense you know what i mean he mm-hmm. can do those things and he can have those tones because they're playing the guitars are so quiet in that part but even when they get loud and when they are distorted and everything it's not it all works so well together it's incredible they made a record with steve albini and it just doesn't it's not the same thing you know it doesn't sound as good yeah did he make the drums sound just more aggressive yeah i mean it's and it's it was an earlier earlier than this so I, they were probably finding their way a little bit too you know yeah <clears throat> but holy shit like that that record just and it's like i think it's only an ep like there's only like six seven, or seven songs on it or something um spent a lot of time and i mean honestly i've i've maybe played along to it twice sure you know it's just it's not like that kind of thing for me it's just i really love the way that the songs are approached and the dynamics and just everything about it. This is the song I was saying earlier with um, the special goodness. I was like, okay, you said that this isn't really your style, but I can see you pulling a little bit of that from this stuff subconsciously, albeit, you know? Sure. Oh yeah. I mean, I was definitely wherever I could like, I mean, with Pat, that was what was so cool. And what I now enjoy with doing the devouring mother stuff is like, there's some really quiet things that I get to like play with those dynamics and do stuff. That's, much more subtle and much more um, nuanced. And I love it. Yeah, your snare grass sounds... Is always... Of course, yes. Um, your <laughs> snare sounds change quite a bit from record to record in a cool way. You know, sometimes they're a little, they're really rim shoddy. I mean, like, God, the snare in Do It For Me Now, speaking of Angels and Airwaves again, and then your, your, your stuff with Against Me is a little more subdued, a little more dead i guess if you will i mean i guess this big fat snare drum it's a little more that direction but uh yeah i always appreciate that about you're not a one-trick pony when it comes to your sound you know you 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 approach every record a little differently which is uh noticed and appreciated so right on all right speaking of this is a drum tone wise quite the opposite which is on the outside by oingo boingo off the album only a lad little time change in that one that's like the the first time you hear it you're like did it just switch the beat because it just feels good regardless <laughs> did i have a seizure what yeah, happened exactly. uh, yeah and that's i mean that, that's the stuff that 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 drew, drew me into that record so much i mean at a young age i was really like this is you know because i was really um <clears throat> there was just so much bullshit on the radio and everything and that was this thing that was had some of those elements like some of that kind of pop sound stuff but then very different you know what i mean like those time signature things and the guitar was like very you know much like a kind of raging guitar thing and danny's voice is crazy all the time but it's awesome there's so much melody and there's so much 
there's so many hooks in those songs and i love i love songs i love songs i have a hard time without a chorus i have a hard time when there isn't that sort of traditional structure so i mean honestly i i get sucked in by that stuff and that i think that's another instance sort of like uh the elvis costello thing it's not just the drums it's this like package of, of things it was like it's just a really different kind of approach to rhythm and everything well that's what's been a cool what thing about this podcast <laughs> i said how are you you've just been talking the whole time um no it this this podcast has been cool because i i i assumed that i was you know opening the door for people to be like oh this one specific right left kick kick whatever but this podcast has really been more so about overall vibes and songs. It's there's there's less drummy talk than I assumed, and I love it because I'm I'm similar to you. It's it's about the song. That's why choices as opposed to licks is what uh, tickle my fancy. So, I, listen, I love drums. I love playing the drums. I I enjoy talking about drums to some extent. I'm not a real gear person, but um, at the end of the day, you just you're just hitting stuff, you know, and without songs and without music, it's not, it has a, a much more difficult time becoming that all that it can be. And your drums can be so much more when they're, when they're played in a, in a musical way, supporting melody and, you know, lyrics and, and meaning and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. I guess I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but, that's for me. That's the, that's kind of the thing. Do you find that you still like your initial instincts are getting better and better as you've gotten older? Because you're what three hundred now, I think, is what you said. Three, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? I, I I wouldn't say that they're getting any better. I think that you start to trust your instincts a little more. You start okay. You know what? That's that's going to be good because before you go, well, is that is that enough? You know, is that, is that, is that special enough? Did I make mm. something that was um, going to make me excited later? Because part of it's about keeping yourself excited, but a lot of it is about making it work on, you know, on a deep level for everybody. So I, I've definitely gotten to the point where I'm like, no, this is cool. Like this is, I, I could tell that this is cool and it's got room to grow within this my initial thing and then from there you just start to go oh and then this and then this and then this and and things sort of evolve in that way but i mean so many times i've had people say like listen just trust your first instinct like heavy dudes that you would respect guys with posters <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah 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 like real real like good guys um they're just like yeah trust your first instinct it's 99% of the time the right thing. Um, okay. Well, usually with me, it's like if I'm riding with people and the guitarist is like, hey, I'm just, uh, I need to figure out this riff. Can you just give me some time? And I'll be like texting, you know, texting someone or talking to the bass player, just giving like whatever. And then they'll do something and I'll subconsciously do this weird fill or this weird flourish. And they're like, what the hell did you just do? And I'm like, my brain was completely off, but your body just did something. And that ends up being on the record. Um, Absolutely. That is something that I was just talking to somebody about. I don't remember who it was. I'm sorry. But it's that thing where you're, if you're not really paying attention and you're just like, you're not so like locked down and focused on what it is and you're just kind of flowing with it, stuff will happen and stuff just comes out of you if, if it's there, you know? And it, so many times that stuff, you don't exactly know what it was but hopefully someone's recording or you can at least get somebody to describe it. Cause I have, I've definitely done that where I'm like, I have no idea what I did. I really yeah. don't. They're like, it was in the second verse. It was so cool. I'm like, Fuck, man, that was like five minutes ago. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So uh, we've already talked about Pat a little bit, but maybe we can embellish a little more. Um, it's uh Oh, by the way, we got to your honorable mentions a while ago. Let's just fuck it. This is the big fat eight. We'll just we'll just say that. So this is the last one, and it's uh, from Pinkerton. <laughs> I have more. This is from Pinkerton, and it's uh, by Weezer. It's a song called "The Good Life." And there was a Tom Phil that you said you rip off quite a bit. And oh uh, let's see, <laughs> it's from about, around a minute twenty-five. 
It's so good. I mean, come on. It like you just come out of this like raging chorus and then there's this reintro and you gotta like do something to announce that verse and it's like it's like, oh, I kind of fell down the stairs a little bit, but hi, here I am. It's so <laughs> fucking good. Love it. Have you talked to him about that? Was that like a, you know, one of those things we were just talking about where he did it without really thinking about it or? I haven't. I never, I never asked him any of that stuff. We were always like doing our thing, you know? Yeah. I should interview him sometime. I want to get him on here. That'd be fun. Um <laughs> Yeah, Weezer, that that record's just blown out. It sounds like it's just super tape-saturated, and the drums just sound so crunchy. Yeah, it just feels warm. That record is just warm-sounding. Yeah, it's all real instruments with real people, and it sounds like they're playing together in a room. It just sounds awesome, you know? But so many people are like, I want it to sound like Pinkerton. It's like, well, you need to turn your distortion down quite a bit because yeah. those guitars are super clean. And you know what I mean? There's lots of space in the parts and you can have that kind of big kind of roomy and boomy and all that stuff happening, but not, not with your fucking Marshall half stack turned to 11. Like it just doesn't work like that. Well, we just lost the Marshall sponsorship. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't say you couldn't use their other combo. Nice. Thank you. And we have them back. Okay. And they're back. I mean, that's, that's, I know we could keep on going, but uh, just to, maybe we'll have you back on the show. But this is, this is the part of the show where, I mean, can you do some self promotion? I know. Self promotion. <laughs> I know. It's, you don't have to. I could, I could cut out all that. No, I, I do have a record that I'm really proud of. Uh, it's going to come out this year sometime. I don't know when. Um, we're just getting it mastered now, but I'm super proud of it. It's me and John Reese from Rocket from the Crypt. Oh, awesome. And uh, Rob Crow from Pinback. And uh, this dude, Jordan. And it's super awesome. It was super, super fun to make, and it pushed me way out of my comfort zone because Rob writes a lot of stuff in 7 and 11 teen, and I had to count a lot, and that's hard, <laughs> but I did it. It's super fun, and I really, I really enjoyed making it, and um, I'm really proud of that. So I'm excited for that to come out. It's called Plosives. Plosives? Yeah, so if anyone actually leaves the band, there'll be explosives. But that's that's for later. Otto's question, was that something that was discussed afterwards? Or is that kind of like, I would almost love it if that's why you named the band that. <laughs> no, uh, that, that was just the, that was the name. And they're like, what do you think of this? I love it. Also, yeah, you know, course. like immediately. And they're like, yeah. oh, God. They're like, so sure drummer auditions are on Tuesday. Yeah, that was kind of how it went. But yeah, I'm really stoked about that. And uh, that'll be out in 2021. I think it's a, a kind of a recent beat on your Instagram. That's from that project where you kind of you cross over and do a little like. Oh, no, that's a that's another super fun project thing. Like my buddy Brad, um, Brad Clifford, who is an incredible guitar player and an amazing human, he uh sends me the most insane songs and like the first things that he sent me had like the craziest program drums it was just like like double kick freak out and just all this shit and i was like oh my god dude what are you making he's like i don't know it's super fun i'm like hey will you send me that with no drums on it he's like why i'll just do it and i ended up playing over it and do it. he's like holy shit this is so rad like he was so and so it's this really fun thing that we do and we just got a uh well, i don't know it might go somewhere it might not we don't know but it's really is fun. there a, is there a name for that yet or is there's it just not fun? a name for that so far it's just fun maybe it's that's the name of it just fun <laughs> well adam um i will say one of the things that i always strive to create are parts that are fun to play and uh it was fun to have you on the show because your drum parts to play along to they're just fun you write instinctually fun drum parts you know it's like one of those like if i'm practicing and then like well, i just want to shed for 15 minutes to, and like walk out in a good mood i'll put on some of your songs so uh thanks for being on the awesome. show thank you very much I re that's a huge compliment i'll take it
Thank you. All right, man. Well, I will talk to you soon. All right. Peace. And that's the show. Be sure to subscribe. And if you're listening on a platform that allows for ratings or reviews, do that. It helps more people find the show, which means the show will get better and bigger. And hopefully I'll have a chance to sell out one day. But you'd be an OG listener that could brag to all your friends. Um, anyways, also, why don't you go ahead and check out BigFatSnareDrum.com and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all the socials. Just search for at BigFatSnareDrum and you will find it. This show is edited in part using Isotope RX-8 Audio Editor. It's amazing. So go check that out at Isotope.com. Bye.